I'm nervous about using this podium because usually these things are too tall for me. And I saw Mez do it yesterday, and I thought, if he did it, I can do it too. So thanks for the inspiration. Uh, we're, talking about, we're talking about evangelism in secular contexts and in an age of secularism. The, the great American missiologist Peter Wagner famously said that the single most effective evangelistic methodology under heaven is planting new churches. He said that in 1990 in his book, Church Planting for a Greater Harvest. Now, Peter Wagner was an American, and so uh, what Americans do is we take complex things, we flatten them and simplify them, and then we say them really loud, and we do it over and over and over and over again until it just becomes the way everybody, the way everybody thinks. And so it's become conventional wisdom that if I am planting a church, I am doing evangelism. And I actually want to call that into question I want us to think about that a little bit and ask, is that really true? The conventional wisdom would say uh, the key to evangelism in a secular age is to plant more churches in secular places because the single most effective evangelistic methodology under heaven is planting churches. So what we have to do in a secular age is plant more churches in secular spaces. And so what's happened is my evangelistic talk has just become a church planting talk. You see how that happened? I just flattened that out in good old American style. And, and I want to suggest we need to think more carefully about evangelism and its relationship to church planting if we're going to reach secular people. And so I'm going to suggest today that the single most effective evangelistic methodology under heaven, especially in a secular age, is evangelism. <laughs> now, hopefully done by a local church. Hopefully done, hopefully we plant churches in order to to do evangelism and to expose people to the gospel, hopefully done by a church, hopefully not just done by some evangelist disconnected from a church, just out there on the street. We, we all know that's not effective in secularism either. We see street preachers in our city, and they don't reach anybody. But the single most effective evangelistic methodology under heaven is actually evangelism. And so what we need to ask, especially what secularism is demanding that we ask, is what is evangelism actually? Like, in its essence, what is it? And then how do we do it in a secular age, in light of the cultural conditions of secularism? So, to answer the first question, I want to go back to uh, the passage we looked at yesterday in Romans chapter 10. I just want to look at that one verse in Romans chapter 10, verse 14. Now, you, you know the background of Romans 10. The, Romans 10 is actually not a primer on how to do evangelism. Uh, but you can extract an understanding of evangelism from it, I believe. Romans 10 is actually just the heart cry of Paul the Apostle for his Jewish kinsmen. And it's like an apologetic or an explanation for why they have not believed the gospel. And the, the apology goes like this. They have not believed the gospel because they tried to establish their own righteousness by law-keeping, and having tried to establish their, righteous, their own righteousness, they did not obey the righteousness of God that comes by faith. And so, having tried to establish their own righteousness, it's kind of like their ears are stopped up, and so they're hard of hearing. And then he goes on to say, if they had open ears, they could have even read in their own scriptures that their own scriptures teach us to seek a righteousness by faith and by calling on the name of the Lord, but they couldn't hear that because their ears were stopped up. And then Paul goes on and says, this is why we preach. We, we preach 
in order to try to break through and to help them hear. And, and then he gives this really succinct summary of how someone comes to faith, and I, I think it would, it's really helpful when we consider what evangelism is. He says in verse 14, How then will they call on him whom they have not believed, and how are they to believe in him who they've never heard, and how are they to hear without someone preaching, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You actually have to reverse the order to really get it. It's like what Paul says is, Someone is sent to preach, and the person who is sent to preach preaches, and the people whom he's sent to, they hear, and when they hear, they believe. Now, hear doesn't just mean like they, they, they physically hear. It means like their, their minds and their hearts are open, and, and they hear, and they believe, and, and in, in process of belief, they call on the name of the Lord, and, and they're saved. And, and so, basically, Paul is just say, basically saying, look, I try to preach in order to get heard. That's what he's saying. So I want to suggest that, that evangelism, we could define it this way. It's preaching the gospel to make it heard by those who have not heard. And, and then we know there's actually two kinds of haven't heardness in this, in this passage. There's, there's people that have literally never heard. And, and there are people in my city, which is a very secular city. It's one of the more secular cities in the U.S., very unchurched. Low percentage of people attend church. And there's many people who I'm the only Christian they know. And there's other people who don't even know a single person who is a committed follower of Christ. So, so there's people in my city who literally have not heard the gospel. And then there's, there's people like Paul is talking about, like the Jewish people, who... They've heard in one sense, but they haven't accurately perceived, or what he, what he says, they haven't understood. And that's a lot of people in, in secular world, too. They, they have some background in church, or they have some prior exposure to religion or to Christianity. And so they actually think they know what it's about, even though they don't know what it's about. And, and so they've heard, but they haven't heard. And, and we know that kind of haven't heardness is included in, in Paul's thinking because he, he asked the question in verse 18. He says, but I ask, have they not heard? And then he says, indeed, they have heard. So they have heard, but they haven't. So there's this two kinds of haven't heardness in secularism. It's one of the things that makes it a really difficult. There's, there's people like Etienne was just describing to us who I would actually put in the category of secular. Like they, they have heard the gospel. They in some way, they, it hasn't broken through, and they're basically living their lives as if it's not true. And then there's other people who haven't heard at all. So evangelism is preaching the gospel to make it heard by those who have never heard, and, and this is the cultural condition of, of secularism. Now, I could have said evangelism is preaching the gospel to those who haven't believed. That would have been correct. That have been theologically accurate. Evangelism is preaching the gospel to those who haven't believed. But I think it's more helpful to describe it as preaching the gospel to those who haven't heard. Because what evangelism is most concerned with is getting heard. That's what motivates it and drives it. It's actually not just concerned with getting people to believe. It's getting, it's, it, it even takes a step back and goes, before they, have, before they can believe, they have to hear so what the evangelist is most concerned with is 
leading people to hearing. So the question is, how do I make the gospel heard among those who haven't heard in secular culture? How do I do that? Or, as uh, the American missiologist Doug Logan says, we, we get at it by throwing that doggone thing in the water. Now, this was in the context of a fishing illustration. And the doggone thing is bait that you would fish with. In Jesus' illustration, it would have been nets. But, but um, how do you throw the gospel in the water such that the fish want to eat it? I think that's what Doug was asking us to think about. Is that it? Is that it? Did I get it? All right. The doggone thing is the gospel. All right. Now, let's flesh this out. I want, to get, I, want to, I want to try to get practical, and I don't want to tell you exactly what to do, but I want to spur some thinking that will hopefully help you think about what to do. Like, I've been thinking a lot lately. I'm actually working on something to help a bunch of people who haven't heard, heard hear the gospel. And, um, and, and I want to just inspire creative thinking in you, hopefully. So, so that's what we want to do here. And, and, and I want to start here. So here's what this means. Evangelism is not just planting a church that preaches the gospel in its Sunday worship services. Now, it's true that people come to faith in the context of the normal preaching of the gospel in a worship service. If a church has a, has a posture, an evangelistic posture towards its neighbors, if the people in your church have an evangelistic posture, they will... They will sometimes invite them to come with them to the worship service. And in the context of your incredible preaching, they're going to hear the gospel in your worship service. And we should always, I think especially in secular culture, we should always preach and worship in a way that assumes non-Christians are present in our midst, that we can just explain to them what we're talking about. And we want to invite them. But in a secular context, we can't reduce evangelism to just preaching in the context of a worship service for the obvious reason that 99.9999999999% of people who have not heard aren't going to come to my worship service. And if evangelism means trying to help those who haven't heard here, then if I'm doing something in which they're not going to come and they're not going to hear, I'm not yet really like doing evangelism. So don't limit yourself to just thinking, we're going to plant a church that preaches the gospel, and that's going to do it. Ask, how can we help people who haven't heard here? Now, it also doesn't just mean building friendships with non-Christians. I think uh, hospitality is essential. It's like, it's like an essential precursor to evangelism in most cases. Friendship and relationship Building trust is an essential precursor. So, so if, if you are taking steps to invite non-Christians into your life, if you are uh, trying to meet them, if you're, if you're training people how to do that, you're, you're doing great work. But Paul says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. So then we have to go, how do we help them hear? So I want to ask two questions, and, and maybe we can just discuss these. The first one would be this. How do you and your church gather some people or get together with some people who have not heard the gospel 
and who would not attend your worship services and help them here. How can you do that? Now, I mean that in a, in a brainstorming kind of way. You know what brainstorming is? We, brainstorming is when you ask a question and then you just start to think creatively about it. And the rule of brainstorming is there are no bad ideas. Now, there are actually bad ideas. We all know there's bad ideas. But, but what you do when you brainstorm is you temporarily suspend your evaluation of the ideas and you just let your mind get creative. So, so I mean this in kind of a, a creative brainstorming way. Like, how could you, what are some ways, what are many ways, there's thousands of ways, what ways could you or in your church gather some people or get together with some people who've not heard the gospel and who would not attend the worship service and help them here? And, and then the second question would be, when you gather these people who have not heard the gospel and would not attend your worship services, what would you talk about to help them hear the gospel? What topics of conversation would come up? What would be, what would be entry points to the gospel? What would be passages of scripture that you would, you would love for them to look at? We were, we were just talking at my table about we need to help people actually read the Bible. That's what Etienne was also just telling us to do. So where would we take them? What, what passages do we think would, would connect with them? What would we talk about to set the table? There, there's been awesome examples of this in recent history. There's massive movements like Alpha and Christianity Explored that have done just this right here. They've trained people how to create context in which you can invite people who don't come to church to get in a room and talk about their own journey, look at the Bible, discuss it. That's evangelism. We need like thousands of more ideas like that. And in a secular context, we don't just need like one or two well-known programs that are doing it. We need, we need the church to generate thousands and thousands of good ideas. We, need to, we, we ought to be able to regather in this room in two years, and we could all say, well, here's what we're doing to gather or get together with people who don't come to our worship services and help them hear the gospel, and here's what we're doing. And we could just trade ideas, and our, our brainstorming would, would explode, and our evangelism would explode as well. So that's my hope.